Previously on Where Does Food. Yeah, I'm, well, I yeah. think Orange Crush is the is the best one of oh. orange sodas. <laughs> on a scale from one to three hundred sixty-two, where do you rank soda? Oh, like three hundred. Root beer technically wasn't a soda at first. What was it, Tim? It was known as a small beer. Charles Elmer Hires. He created Hires Root Beer in 1876. Cocaine addict and medicine man John Pemberton <laughs> served Coca-Cola for the first time in the land of Georgia in 1886. Coca-Cola is often regarded as the oldest cola to still exist. It's technically not true. There's one that actually predates the beverage by five months, and that's Dr. Pepper. Over a decade after Coke and Dr. Pepper, uh, Pepsi-Cola came around. hey in 1898, guys. World War I would cause a shortage of sugar. And when the wartime price control came to an end in December of 1919, sugar went from 9 cents a pound to 28 cents a pound. The cola companies were like, all right, well, we got to stockpile sugar to withstand further price increases. In August 1920, the sugar bubble burst. So where does food, the food history podcast, where we podcast about the history of food and specifically the sodi pop. I'm your host, Tim, and with me is Soda Fiend and your other host, L. L, how you doing? What's up, you guys? Man, Tim, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Uh wonderful. Wonderful. I'm I'm it's great to hear. Yeah, I'm delightful. I did like uh, you know, four mile hike today. Uh, did some workouts, Tim, and now okay. I'm buzzing on a beer, buddy, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Pop off. All right, fantastic. Yeah, you crushed You crushed it, You crushed crushed it today. Yeah, I got to say, I'm going to go ahead and give you the award. Yeah, it was one of those days, you know, where you wake up, you're clear-minded, you feel good, and then you're like, man, I can do this every day. <laughs> and you wake up, and you're like, oh, no, I can't do this every day. Fuck. <laughs> so this is our very first uh, two-parter. It's overdue. Uh, we got the people on the edge of their seats, and they've been there for an entire three weeks. They haven't left the edge wow. of their seats. Um, they've missed work. They've all been fired because they're just waiting. They're waiting on oh, us to fired. deliver. And we left off with Coca-Cola being in a super solid position. Uh, they were the post-sugar shortage of the First World War. That pretty much almost took out their all their competition. Like Moxie Soda was on the down and out. Unreal. Uh, Pepsi went bankrupt and uh, hires went into hiding. There was another movement that happened that we pre that we like briefly mentioned. And I mentioned that hires root beer. They placated to the temperance movement during the 1800s. During the 1820s, there was a movement to abstain from alcohol and other substances such as cocaine, caffeine, what? things like that. You know, teetotalers. You know those people? Um, this started in 1820, <laughs> and it actually started to pick up a little bit of steam 
during 1820. It didn't actually start in 1820. It started a little bit before, but they started to pick up a little bit of a little bit of steam. Started impacting uh, national legislation, state legislation, shit like that. Oh wow. Okay. And like I said, it was the temperance movement. Uh, the temperance movement. They would essentially lead us to. That 18th Amendment in 1920. Interesting. Okay. Essentially, this is what happens. Uh, that's essentially like the temperance movement is very heavily behind prohibition. Boom. And yeah, so during the <laughs> early to mid 1800s, like I said, they they really started to they started to get sales banned, things like that. They started to really come after alcohol. They took a brief hiatus during the Civil War. <laughs> which, oh, great. <laughs> Solid time to do that, honestly. Yeah, which happened in the middle of the of the 18th uh, century, or rather 19th. But in the middle of the 1800s, the Civil War happens. Obviously, no one's really fucking thinking about like any sort of movement like that. We're sort of just dealing with like killing each other. And sure, normal things. They Yeah, they sort of come back with a vengeance starting around the uh, 1880s. This is when the bannings would really pick up. And if you remember our boy uh, Pemberton, who started Coca-Cola, essentially, yes. before he passed away, he never really got to see Coca-Cola to its heights. Uh, again, this was thought to be one of the reasons why he started Coca-Cola. It essentially got him out of his previously cocaine and wine business, <laughs> which was really <laughs> successful. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so... Yeah, I want to transition. Yeah, that was a thing. A uh, slight transition. He put the cocaine into a cola and called Dude. it a day. Yeah, and then in uh, 1895, so towards the 20th century, the turn of the century, uh, hires root beer and root beer in general uh, started to come under fire under uh, from the Women's Christian Temperance Union or the WCTU. Oh, um, they, okay. claimed, they claimed that root beer was made with yeast. And that it contained alcohol and people were being duped into drinking alcohol. And then that got other temperance groups like the teetotalers, things like that. They were kind of on board. They're like, yeah, fucking root beer. It's bad. Don't support. Don't support root beer. Boycott root beer. What is the first group of Karens? Yes. And they started boycotting root beer and it worked. No. Yeah. Root beers, uh, their, their sales declined. Plummeted. Wow. Yeah. And it's even funnier that hires placated to them in his early advertising because uh, they, it, they, it took him three years to um, to prove that his root beer was was not alcoholic and actually had less alcohol than a loaf of bread. And then the <laughs> WCTU just sort of ended their boycott in 98, 1898. They didn't say anything. There's no apology. They just sort of ended. Like they stopped being as vocal about it. They didn't like wow. reverse position. They just straight up were like, this was a problem. And the next day you looked and that wasn't a problem anymore. <laughs> Which is kind of fucked up. It's kind of That's, really messed up. Okay. All right. Can I say it's kind of fucked up to like uh-huh. rile up a bunch of people and then uh-huh. and then just like you get like, proven nah, wrong. You're just, just like, you just dip out. You don't even say that. You just like Irish goodbye. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you just roll out of the party and everyone's still riled up. You They're looking for that. the leader. You know what I mean? They're like, where's you the fucking guest that. note speaker? Where the fuck is the speaker? <laughs> yeah, they don't exist anymore. They got proven wrong. Um, so that's fucked up. But um, hires had worse things coming at them around the 1910 mark again with also all the true. shortages. <laughs> Coca-Cola had to start dealing with the temperance movement as well, you know, because it had cocaine in it. Uh- <laughs> Had actual drugs in it? Yeah. As we mentioned in the first episode, uh, most of the cocaine had been completely stripped from the product at this point. Matter of fact, most of the cocaine and the cola nut 
were completely stripped of this product pretty early on in its um, inception, essentially. Maybe we should start a campaign for bringing back the OG, OG Coca-Cola. The one that had cocaine in it. The one that had... Yeah, the one that had... You know what I mean? The one that had cocaine in it. Not not the reduced cocaine one. Not the one that everyone knows is a fun fact at, at, you know, the little party fact that you have or you know coca-cola cocaine and not that one i think this is a good idea yeah oh yeah we can start testing out some samples yeah some sample batches yeah yeah, yeah. let's go ahead and get this started yeah let's bring that i one think back. we'll make a good sell <laughs> yeah so by the end of the 1800s <laughs> co- cocaine was not popular as far as like the feeling around cocaine i mean it was popular yeah People were still using it <laughs> But like <laughs> the, the, the national perception was not was not really there. Do you know what I mean? People didn't look at it as a cure or like something that could help you. You know, they started getting the perception of like, oh, this thing ruins your life and it ruins your brain and it ruins your like well-being. That's sort of the mm-hmm. the perception it started to take on. Uh, it also didn't help that people still ordered Coca-Cola by uh, nicknames like Dope, <laughs> a shot in the arm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah, you heard me correctly. Uh, uh, by the way, the fact that we call it Coke, that's also a shorthand for cocaine. So <laughs> so people would order it. You guys. By, they'd call it Dope. Hey, can I get you a guys. Dope? Hey, can I get a Coke? Can I get a shot in the arm or a dose? They, they also would say that. That's how they ordered Coca-Cola. <laughs> Absurd. No, absolutely not. Yes. What are we doing? <laughs> so I think it's cool that Coke, obviously, like, it just makes sense to call it Coke because it's Coca-Cola. Like, that shortening it just makes sense. Right. But I do love the fact that it more it more likely came from the fact that it had cocaine in it. And people were like, yeah, I want some Coke. 100%. <laughs> Oh, it's good. I mean, I can't lie. I probably would have done the same thing. One hundred percent. Sure, 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 yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd have been high as fuck on Coca Cola back in the day. <laughs> I'd have been zooted on Coca Cola back in the day. <laughs> Pemberton's rolling in his grave. In 1898, America passed a tax on medicines to help fund the Spanish-American War. We were in a lot of wars. Uh, it still are, but we've always been in wars. Um, that is one thing we know how to do well. Yeah, the head of Coca-Cola, Candler, actually, uh, Mr. Candler, uh, registered Coca-Cola as a medicine company. He took, oh, remember, he, no t- way. he took okay. over after uh, Pemberton sold off the shares and he ended up buying it from the uh, the pharmacy that it was first being sold out of. Uh, that's the same dude. Unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. In order to get out of the tax, because why would you pay taxes? <laughs> why would you? Yeah. Why would you? He sued the U.S. government. Candler was like, no, not doing it. Um, Absolutely not. His case would eventually end up in court uh, three years later in 1901. So uh, 1898 is when it got passed. 1901 is when he ends up in court. Uh, he would win, ultimately. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah, he won. They said, okay, yeah, he's for sure a beverage. He's not a medicine company. However, <laughs> however, people are still hung up on the cocaine and the Coca-Cola. It, them being in the headlines and stuff like that, having a suit going on it kind of brought them back up in the spotlight essentially it took them a while but they had to prove that coca-cola didn't have enough cocaine in it to give someone a high (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, but in 1902, a year after, uh, a year after they won their case and cocaine got brought back up, 1902, there was a news story that claimed a man tried to kill himself with a pocket knife only because he had a Coca-Cola addiction. What? Yeah. Uh, this escalated they, so fast. Okay. Yes. What? So they did claim that he had a liquor problem, but they claimed that his Coca-Cola addiction helped push him over the edge. And this, so this happened a year after the whole cocaine got brought back into the spotlight. So Coca-Cola just came not get away from this cocaine thing. They just can't seem to shake it. It just keeps being brought back up. Whether it be by the temperance movement, the U.S. government, whatever. They keep on, it keeps on coming back up. And then, yeah, the fact that that happened, uh, the Coca-Cola addiction. And then in 1903, a year later, Colonel J.W. Watson of Georgia was interviewed by the New York Tribune, who said that cocaine sniffing was becoming a major problem in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. And he would go on to say that the drug was also found in Coca-Cola, and that is why people would get so addicted to the drink. The misinformation. I know. It's, it's bad. It's bad. So Candler, It's really bad. Okay. Candler was done with the bad press, so he decided he was going to get rid of cocaine altogether. He was done with it. I don't want to fucking deal with cocaine anymore. He's tired of that shit. He would recruit <laughs> Dr. Lewis Schaefer to help rid the coca leaf of its cocaine so Candler could still use the leaf in his drink, but without the cocaine. So he just wants the leaf, baby. Okay, just the leaf. By the end of 1903, cocaine was completely removed from Coca-Cola. What a terrible time. Okay. What a terrible time. That's it. <laughs> the, the party's over. Can't believe they would do that Party to literally us. was over. Can't believe they would do that I can't to say. Us. Taking out cocaine. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Bring it back. <laughs> the things that we've missed out. I just want to say this is a good time that we should talk about a man named Dr. Harvey Wiley. All right. Let's Tell me about Dr. Yeah. Wiley. Uh, he was the chief chemist at the Department of Agriculture. Okay, you got my attention. Dr. Wiley was a man who liked his feud pure and grew concerned with okay. all the additives that made its way into our food and drink throughout the 1800s because chemistry stopped being a little baby chemistry. science and became... A, Ooh, became a big old boy. You're right. Yeah. You did mention that. Yeah. Yeah. Became a big old boy. Remember in last episode, I vaguely mentioned that a man got hired as the head of chemistry at a university, even though he was a, a law student, because chemistry was so young yes. that they were just kind of like anyone. We, need we just need a body around. And they're in. Yeah, it was okay. That's not the case anymore. Chemistry has moved on from that. And things are happening, man. Flavors are being developed. You know, new things are getting into our foods for preservative reasons, other shit like that. You know what I mean? People are just eating weird Ooh. things now. Okay. Yeah, so that's going on. So the shift is occurring now. Yeah. yeah. And Dr. Wiley was like, no, 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 no. We need to eat nothing but crackers and that's it. That's what he was about. And water. No, you're kidding, right? Yeah, I'm no. joking. <laughs> he was very serious okay. about drinking water, though. He did not believe in drinking. <laughs> like, he did not like caffeine. He didn't like any of it. Like, if it had anything. No caffeine. Yeah. So, if it, even if it was, like, tea, naturally occurring caffeine or coffee, nah. No, no, no. Just drink water. Yeah, Dr. Wiley was insane. <laughs> uh, tr trust me, he's insane. Uh, he would create a group called the Poison Squad. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, the Poison Squad. You lost me. Okay. Yeah. All right, tell me about the Poison Squad. The Poison Squad, well, it was, it's a bad knockoff DC comic book series that takes place in an alternative 1905. No, it was a, a real squad. A very real... I really... <laughs> 
It is not like a bad Suicide Squad. It is a very real thing that happened. It was a f- it was a group that would eat foods with specific ingredients in them, and just they would wait. They would wait around. No. Yeah, to see if they would die. That's what they did. They would just eat okay. something and be like, "Hey, does this kill us?" <laughs> That's what they did. I'm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I okay. Were they heavily compensated? Like, I'm so perplexed by this this setup. I won't lie to you. Yeah. So this is this is like the precursor to like FDA shit, man. It's it's <laughs> it's just like these guys. They're lawless. They'll do whatever. This was literally. <laughs> this was the, the FDA before the FDA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you die or not? Head chemist of the Department of Agriculture. You're the smartest man in food at that point. So it's it's done. So <laughs> Wiley would also end up helping a reporter named Samuel Hopkins Adam. Uh, and I, so I said Dr. Wiley's crazy, but he actually did something really good with Samuel Hopkins Adam here. Hopkins Adam. They would blow the cover on patent medicines. Yeah. Ooh. All right. You have my attention. Yeah. Back. So in okay. the world of uh, you know in the late 1800s early 1900s the obviously you know there's a lot of we've talked about it on this podcast specifically a lot of claims about things that don't do things and um the underbelly of that is people selling things that are cure-alls you know snake oil salesmen things like that this was a big thing patent medicine was huge huge business um mm-hmm. that's why it's like loosely connected with cereal and soda and these things that sort of had these these believed you know medical benefits in reality they're just based in like i calling it pseudoscience seems generous um <laughs> So, yeah, you know what I mean? Just based in, like, really weird shit. In 1905, Adams uh, released a 10-part series called The Great American Fraud, and it would actually be one of the most important pieces of journalism in our history. Uh, One that Teddy Roosevelt himself... T-Dog Roosevelt, the, the Teddy fucking, Roosevelt? the Teddy master. You know what I mean? Fucking call him daddy. Um, wow. <laughs> Gave him that cosign? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Call Alex Cooper. Yes, okay. He would, uh, to recommend, he recommended government action. Very, very Teddy Roosevelt of him. Yes, that's extremely Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy's whole presidential thing was just like, we need more government. (laughs) We're going to bring it in. Let me handle it, dude. We need to bust the trust. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he did. I want that on a t-shirt, Ted. I think it was at one point. I'm pretty sure. Maybe they didn't have the printing technology for that, but it was probably close to being. It was everywhere. It was on posters at least. Sure, Bust the okay. trust. That was his slogan Maybe during one of his campaigns, if I remember correctly, from my history class that I well, took in ninth grade. <laughs> we're gonna add that to the uh, the studio. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Bust the trust. Bring him down. We need Teddy back. We need Bust Teddy back. Tr- no, I didn't know Teddy Roosevelt had such a hand about that. Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt was like, "Hey, government needs to do something," and Doctor Wiley said, "Say less." Um and <laughs> That's quoted. Uh, he says, say less, coach. And <laughs> and he wrote the Pure Food and Drug Act, and it would pass in 1906. And that thing would uh, essentially, again, it would just further kind of push towards getting shit out of our food. Um, you know, getting rid of like the patent, helping like snuff out patent medicine, things like that. You know what I mean? It would just essentially ensure, like it would give a process to being approved as a food or a drug that humans could take. <laughs> Instead of somebody being like, no, this, this gets rid of hot blood. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, no. No, this will cure your gingivitis for sure. For sure it will. It'll get rid of it. And it'll help your herpes as well. Like, oh, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Anything yeah. and everything. And it's just like a, it's just like a brown a goop. Yeah. 
So another fun fact about Dr. Weil is he didn't like Coke. He didn't like soda pops. He wasn't a fan. I already said this. He especially was uh, not a fan of Coca-Cola because he heard of it as the Coke. He heard it as the cocaine soda. It was the cocaine soda. It's the cocaine soda. Um, and in nineteen oh seven, the U.S. Army banned Coca-Cola from their bases. What? On a similar rumor. No way. Yeah, said the cocaine and the alcohol being in the beverage, which is just not true. In nineteen oh seven, remember, cocaine had been completely removed. Damn. In nineteen oh three. Yeah, they stripped it there, so using yeah. a leaf at that point. Coca-Cola would dispute the banning, and the U.S. Army. Asked Wiley to investigate. Rightfully so. They were like, yo, check it out for us. So Wiley didn't find any cocaine or alcohol, but he Got didn't him. report back. Yeah. What? He just, he didn't like it. So he felt like he needed to find something. P-hacking. We call that P-hacking what? is what we call that. It's not good science. Yo, that's not cool. That's not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. said he that's worried cool. about the caffeine content and had the... the <laughs> Yeah, the Poison Squad. I wrote Suicide Squad in my notes because I thought it would be a good joke. <laughs> and I realized... <laughs> I realized <laughs> I already made that joke. Oh, man. <laughs> but technically, it still works. It's still punny. So it's fine. The Poison Squad. Guts it's back the bubbly. <laughs> yeah, they, just, they were just taking it back to try and figure out the caffeine content of this. Yeah. Unreal. Um... Coke has like 60 milligrams. The human body can take up to like 600 and even then some can still like survive. So they, <laughs> they'd be, they're just <laughs> sucking back a 12 pack every day. Just like, <laughs> and by the way, that's a 12 ounce can of Coca-Cola at the time. Coca-Cola is being sold in six ounce bottles. So it's even less. Holy cow. So that's double the fun. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We drink double the Coca-Cola these days. That's interesting. But Coca-Cola ended up forcing Wiley to release his report. So the ban would be lifted. This frustrated Wiley, as I wrote in my notes. Um, And he claimed he wasn't given enough time (laughs) to investigate the caffeine in the beverage. I just didn't have enough time. Wiley, just take the loss, buddy. Yeah. Just take the loss. I couldn't pee hack my way into telling you Coca-Cola was bad. So, you know, that's my impersonation of Dr. Wiley. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Dr. Wiley sounded like. And he seems like a guy that had some hits and some misses, really. He doesn't seem like that bad of a dude. He just seems like he had, like, a lot of convictions, and he didn't really give up those convictions. You know what I mean? Like, he was like, I think everyone should drink water. And then, so, like, he gets the chance to investigate this cocaine beverage. And he's like, okay, so it doesn't have cocaine. Okay, it doesn't have alcohol. But it's not fucking water. So, like, (laughs) something's got to be wrong with it. (laughs) You know what I mean? So he's just pissed that this brown, bubbly liquid isn't water. You know, so he's just trying his fucking best. And he didn't get enough time. And I side with Wiley. I'm a Wiley fan. Um, (laughs) About the water or the... (laughs) Uh, so he would end up making some moves in the coming years to get a hold of Coca-Cola, the, the syrup specifically, I should say. They hijacked the syrup. That's what they did. They, they, they made a plan. They hijacked the syrup. And he would Ooh. build up a case against Coca-Cola, and they would go to court by 1911. 1911, they ended up in court. Yeah, so this, okay. again, was pretty much like the government against Coca-Cola, not like Wiley himself. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, and the main points with Wiley in the government case was that they found insects and gunk in the syrup and that the syrup was made in unsanitary places and that rats 
died upon ingesting the syrup. Okay. The rats would just keel over. Okay. Okay, so all that was proven. Also, here's another thing that I left out because, and I don't mean to be like revisionist in my history. They also like... One of the major points was that they had a black man working in the in the oh, facility. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds a little biased. Seems a little biased already. Yeah. Yeah. He like he was like there he was like, Yeah, there were bugs in the syrup and it was gross in there. And then there was a black man making it. And it was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like the first two things were worse. <laughs> the last thing doesn't mean anything the last to thing us. It doesn't matter <laughs> just, to this at all. Why does it matter? The last thing you could have just said a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but okay. Um, yeah, not. but you know, this 1911, why are we surprised? We're not you know surprised. what I mean? Yeah, 1911. Right. Yeah, but also, uh, most of this would be proven to be a lie. Also, the rats that died were just giving uh, high doses of coca and cola nut. Like, so they were just feeding them coca leaves and then just giving them cola nut and not the actual shit. Oh, so itself. that doesn't count. So it's completely different. No, it doesn't count. You essentially proved that cocaine is bad for rats yep. and cola nut is bad for rats. Yep. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> at really high dosage, which I'm sure that would also hurt humans if you did them at really high dosage. So it didn't Dude. take much. The court would rule in favor of Coca-Cola. But, you know, this was just the precursor to the courts challenging the soda beverage industry. You know, they'll come back around later in this saga of soda. Still? As we're calling it. Um, not yeah, Obviously not Wiley himself, but, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of the, the modern iterations and some of the struggles uh, later with throwing shit into rats' bodies and then creating legislation off of that <laughs> basis. Uh, <laughs> Damn, okay, yeah. But, you know, like I said, Coca-Cola, they handled their business, all right? They're good. There's no cocaine in there. They're fine. They beat Wiley's case. They're in the clear, baby. Their competition's been shorted out by the fucking sugar. They fucking somehow weathered it. They kept advertising. They pushed through. So now it's time for Coca-Cola to become Coca-Fucking-Cola, the <laughs> Americana of all soda beverages. It's time. The prime time beverage. It's January 17th, 1920, and a big old amendment passed. The 18th Amendment. That is prohibition. Boom. The Puritans won. They got us. Wow. They pinned us down. They fucking put us in a chokehold. They got us in the darse, baby. They fucking, <laughs> We didn't see it coming. All of a sudden, we're fucking... They're laying one way, we're laying the opposite way, and we're out. You know, lights out. 18th Amendment. There we go. And Sad. the Puritans won. They convinced everyone that once we got rid of alcohol, man, the country would fucking thrive. We'd be the best we'd ever been. Lies. Get rid of alcohol and everybody's cool, man. That didn't work out. So, um, shocker. Yeah, but this was a huge deal for soda. This was major. This was a really was game a change. Move. Yeah. Yeah, the bars shut down. Soda fountains, which were already popular, grew even more. Soda fountains were predominantly in pharmacies, by the way. Pharmacies were still allowed to sell alcohol. What? Fun fact. Really? <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, and soda jerks started becoming old bartenders. So soda, soda jerks were Tom Cruise and Cocktail, which is the only bartending movie I know, which is why it's the only reference I ever make when I think of cool people tossing bottles around. <laughs> it's Tom Cruise and Cocktail. <laughs> we'll take it. It's fine. So a bunch of Tom Cruise soda jerks are making soda. So it's flashier now. And then, like I said, pharmacies, they were still allowed to use alcohol. 
And just one year into Prohibition, a singular year into Prohibition, pharmacies had suddenly purchased 10 times the amount of alcohol they needed beforehand. Hang on. What? <laughs> Whoa, that's fucking crazy. I'm still flabbergasted that pharmacies of all places were allowed to still sell alcohol. Yeah, well, alcohol is used as a medicinal uh, thing. Yeah, back clearly. In the day. It's still used. Technically, we still sanitize things with alcohol, by the way. That's fair. It's not necessarily true. It's not drinkable. But, like, <laughs> but we, you know, we use alcohol. So, like, that's right. It yeah, is, that's true. It's normal. Since we are drinking low grade alcohol in Prohibition, which I feel like we've talked about before in the past, sodas became mixers. We talked a little bit in our bonus episode about the old fashioned and how, and that gave us a brief insight into the history of cocktails mm-hmm. and noting that at one point cocktails were very simple. They were super straightforward. They were essentially just uh, some sugars and some bitters. There wasn't a lot of fruit. There wasn't a lot of mixers. Mm. It was just like, you know, people wanted their fucking whiskey or they their gin or whatever the fuck. Now that we're drinking gross things, uh, yeah, mixers became really important and soda is super sweet and became a, a big mixer. Wow, it's soda's time now. Yeah, it, so this is where uh, a fun little a fun little drink we called ginger ale <laughs> would become very big. Hey, oh, that sounds familiar. Ginger ale, yeah. So before ginger ale, ginger beer was actually the the top selling ginger makes sense okay. beverage at the time. Prohibition happened, ginger ale became the thing. Um, in 1900, Canadian pharmacist John McLaughlin created. Canada Dry. Hang on. Yeah. The Canada, the Canada Dry. Dry. 1900. The Canada Dry. By 1926, he was selling 50 million bottles a year. Whoa, that's absurd. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Ginger ale was so popular at the time that the notorious gangster and friend of the podcast, food tycoon Al Capone, <laughs> opened up a bottling plant Famous friend of, of ginger the ale and club soda. Al Capone made a, a delightful... A little trip into our podcast during the chips episode. Yeah. Go listen to that if you want a little a little brief. You know, he dropped in, you know, he said dropped hello. in, said a couple sentences and then dropped out. And he's going to do the same here. <laughs> Al Capone, they opened up plants of ginger and club soda. They monopolized the mixer market in the great American city, Chicago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They monopolized that whole mixers during the probe. Al Capone. Did I attend the guy? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's probably a bad dude, but only person who could do that. Yeah, definitely a bad dude, I think. But yes, yeah, that's kind of I mean, that's kind of impressive, you know, when you hit that. Way. It's kind of it's kind of it's kind of weird. I know nothing about Al Capone except for the fact that he like helped sell chips and now he does mixers. So my vi- vision of Al Capone is like he's a pretty cool dude. I'm like, I maybe if I remember correctly, you might want to also Google Valentine's Day Massacre of Al Capone. Um, nah, no, no, no. Oh, okay, no, 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 not. No, I could maybe no. have the wrong well, gangster. Well, you know what? Listen, if it happened on Valentine's Day, it's probably worth it. It was, <laughs> it was out of love, actually. Yeah, it was out of love. Act, love, actually, good movie. Not really. I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, zing! For Coca Cola, they started their bottling franchises. Okay, and, and this helped make them nationwide. And I mentioned that in the last episode, their bottling franchises became really big, became one of the earliest franchises in American history. Uh, by 1920, the competition was down from all the World War One stuff. And then in 1923, Robert Woodruff ended up taking control of Coca-Cola. This guy, super important. He would come in and he would standardize Coca-Cola. Oh, that's major. Yeah, and I mentioned in the previous episode as well that bottling really didn't take on that well. One, we had a lot of, you know, cleanliness issues, things like that. We had tons of issues with uh, with just 
breaking and all that shit. It just wasn't the best thing in the world. Well, Woodruff would really come in and like ensure that this shit would get standardized. And Coca-Cola is one of the biggest soda companies, if not the biggest at the time. Mm-hmm. So by them standardizing, they really just create the gold standard. I mean, he would also bring in uniforms. Um, oh, wow. Logo delivery trucks. Oh, wow. Yeah, he okay. The whole nine. Yeah. Uh, he got the help of Archie Lee during this time. Again, this is all during Prohibition. He got the help wow. of Archie Lee okay. during this time to advertise uh, for them. There it is. And Lee changed the game, man. He used nostalgia and American pastime and imagery to sell the feeling of Coca Cola. So it worked. Okay. Yes. Like I said, it was time for Coca Cola to become. Americana. And this was it. Prohibition happened. They were the number one soda company. And then they just brought in the right people to lead the company and to advertise. And they sold the feeling of Coca-Cola. Wow. Yeah. That would make Coca-Cola synonymous with American lifestyle, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. To be an American is to drink Coca-Cola. During that same time, the 20s, Pepsi was spiraling. Roy uh, McGargle, who ended up buying Pepsi from Bradham, who started it, mm-hmm. just essentially he couldn't get Pepsi going again. Pepsi, when they first went bankrupt, Roy came in, he bought it off of them. Couldn't get it going again. Weirdly enough, during the Depression, so from October 1929 onward, okay. they made some moves that would kind of bring Pepsi back a little bit. Ooh, okay. Because, I mean, Pepsi came back. Obviously, Pepsi's around still today, so they did something right. Uh, (laughs) Yes, this is true. No moxie soda here. uh, So, in 1931, a confectioner named Charles Guth would end up buying the rights to Pepsi with royalty kickbacks to Roy. In order to pay for those rights, Guth would take the money out of his chocolate company, Loft. That's what his company was called. So, he would just take the money out of Loft's bank account, pay for the royalty kickbacks, because here's the thing. Pepsi still wasn't selling really well. Mm-hmm. Okay. By 1933, it was looking like Pepsi was headed for a third bankruptcy. But Guth, he made the decision to start selling the soda into 12-ounce bottles. Oh, interesting. For the same five-cent price. Oh. Yeah, so it doubled the size dis- of yeah. Coca-Cola. Disruptor. It doubled the size of Coca-Cola, and Coca-Cola sold for the same five cents. And this was huge, man. It was a depression. People were trying to get shit on the cheap. Mm-hmm. Essentially, this kind of caused a lot of companies to double their size offerings. Uh, Hires Root Beer, who was, uh, you know, not doing so great during the 30s, mm-hmm. adopted the double the amount, and it worked. Chero Cola, which I didn't mention in the last episode, yeah. but Chero Cola essentially became knee-high, and they launched the soda known as RC hey. in 12-ounce bottles. So Chero Cola, I didn't mention it because I felt, I mean, they don't really come back up, but they, they had like a little thing where essentially Chero Cola got sued by Coca-Cola for using the word cola in their beverage, so they changed the name to Chero, and it didn't sell, and they disappeared for a while, (laughs) but they came back and kind of turned it around again with the same sort of doubling their ounces and stuff like that, and then relaunching their Cherocola as Royal Crown. Guth had turned Pepsi around. Um, Unfortunately, it was at the expense of Loft. to use a lot of Loft's money. So Loft's shareholders eventually kicked Guth out of the leadership position, and then James Karkner, his replacement, ended up looking at Loft's finances and noticed that money had been used to buy Pepsi, but Loft didn't actually own uh, any assets of Pepsi. Whoa, okay. That's a game changer. Yeah, yeah, so long story short, Karkner would get the help of Walter Mack, who was the president of a trust financial institution, to sue Goose for the ownership of Pepsi because trust technically should have 
or Loft should have technically owned Pepsi. In 1938, the court ruled in favor of Loft, which Max Institution owned a majority of at this point. Again, they were a trust financial institution. Their whole job is essentially just to give money to mm -hmm. failing companies and turn them around. Guth would appeal and remain the GM of Pepsi while Mac would become the president of the company, essentially. So he became the president of Loft. Loft owned Pepsi, so he's the president of Pepsi. But Mac was a GM. Uh, that didn't really work out, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Guth would eventually lose his job the same year Oof. for trying to start a competing soda company while working at Pepsi. Uber. He Michael Scotted them. That's the first thing I thought of when I read that, mm -hmm. is he was Michael Scott paper companying Pepsi at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Disrespectful. You can't do that shit. Can't do that shit. And Mac, this guy Mac, he was the woodruff of Pepsi Cola, <laughs> all right? He did the same thing. Yeah. He standardized bottles. He took advantage of creative advertising. A great example of this was creating uh, a jingle for radio play, oh. which was one of the first people to do it, by the <laughs> That's way. That's very clever, yeah. Coke had radio advertisements, but it didn't really work out because Lee's advertisement style didn't really work out over the radio, okay. so they weren't late having a lot of sex success for that however during this time radio ownership really picked up and pepsi made a fucking song directly advertising their product again one of the first to do this the vinyl of that song sold more than one hundred thousand <sighs> copies and would play on radios roughly three hundred thousand times a year okay yeah and they didn't pay anything for this matter of fact what Radios would pay them well, no. to play the song. This doesn't make any sense. Like so any sense. They had this they had this massive, massive like they had this diddle, essentially. Pepsi Cola, Pips. I don't know what the lyrics are, I'm making that up. But that's what they did. It was just like, you know, imagine some cracker jack yeah, voice. Right, you know? absolutely. Pepsi Cola's the cola for you. You know what I mean? Just something like that. And it sold like crazy because no one had anything to do at the time. This was extremely boring times. You just had to like live. That was it. <laughs> Can you imagine a Pepsi commercial uh, song being like the bop of the year? It's probably not the. That's what I'm tripping out year, about the, the record. Can you imagine it being your? Can you imagine it being your personal bop? Oh, like my. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, can you imagine? That's like if you heard the DQ jingle <laughs> and you were like, "Yeah, that's the song I'm going to listen to." That's my jam. willingly. <laughs> This is yeah. what I'm listening to. So no, I can't. I can't actually. But like, good for those people. Good for them, man. Mm -hmm. And they also had their own comic strip. It was about two cops, Pepsi and Pete. Okay. Which is fun. That's fun. Yeah. Um, and they got their crime fighting prowess from drinking Pepsi. Fun fact about this is they actually tried to buy Popeye and change it from spinach to to Pepsi for Popeye. Get out of here. Okay, I like that little tip. Okay. Yeah, so they tried to buy Popeye and make it where Pepsi gave him his strength, but that didn't work out, so they're like, fuck it. Pe we'll make our own thing. We'll make a pro-law enforcement and a pro-Pepsi comic strip. <laughs> fuck yeah. Two for two. America, bitch. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Pepsi and Pete, back at it. All right, let's go to World War II. World War II. World War Two. Sugar rations were back, baby. Whoa, sugar rations be. part two. Sugar rations, the the sugar is being rationed again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um Sugar Rations Uh Return. What's a good sequel title? Sugar Rations Two. Sugar Rations the Rationing. That's oh, there it. it is. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> Print it. <laughs> 
Yeah, so Coca-Cola tried to appease the U.S. government by saying that Coke was vital. Yeah. I love the word vital. I do too. To to the American people and the war effort. Coca-Cola's vital, baby. Absolutely. How is it vital? Yeah, but Congress wasn't buying it. Um, Yeah, they weren't buying into the bullshit narratives. They were into buying sugar. (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) That's so sick. Who wrote that? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Coke, dope, a shot in the arm, arm. however you want to order it. Uh, They would find a loophole in the rationing policy. They're fucking quick-witted. They're smart, man. They would be able to continue making Coke for the military. Oh. That was the loop. No way. As long as it was for the military. You're good, baby. What a loop. Not a big deal. What a loop. Okay. So Coke's bottling companies picked up business to ensure there was enough Coke to go overseas. So they just overcranked production and were like, it's for the military, baby. Don't worry about it. Um, and Pepsi actually complained to the Pentagon, oh. the Pentagon, uh, about the monopoly they had given Coke over to the military, mm-hmm. but it was for, it was for not the the Pentagon didn't give a fuck. They were like, oh, Coke's great." So Coke pretty much had the military. It was it. They owned it. I will also say I'm going to get into this just structure wise. They did have shit happening overseas as well. There were factories and facilities okay. happening during World War II overseas. Like they didn't just stay in the states at the time, but. That's who gives a shit. We'll get there when we get there. But Pepsi, so Pepsi sort of just like had to like sit on their fucking hands and they were like, oh God, we can't do anything. What are we going to do? They would end up opening up service centers for servicemen and women um, in California and DC. Okay. Also in New York. Oh, okay. Uh, They offered showers, meals, and a free Pepsi. (laughs) Not a free Pepsi. They they probably just free Pepsis in general. And then they gave away free voice letters in quotations. Um, which were just recordings pressed to vinyl and given to a recipient. Oh, that's really sweet of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think it was something like 2 million of those vinyls got pressed during this time, which is pretty cool. Uh, just a n- neat little thing that they did. Yeah, that is actually really cool. I'll give them props for that. Yeah, have to yeah. Do that. yeah. Um, and uh, so the and apparently Coca Cola's angle here uh, was not only successful, but it was a super big deal to the military in World War II. So much so that they wanted Europe to open up their bottling factories to continue making Coke. Now, at the time, Europe had shut down their bottling factories because resources. <laughs> For the war effort. Well, Coca-Cola was too important. So open them back up, boys. Fire them up. That's we unreal. need the Coca-Cola. That's unreal to me, Tim. Yeah, we need it. Yeah, Europe sort of did it. They actually no, did they, open no, it. No, they did it. What? <laughs> yeah, they sort of did it. They would just kind of keep the factories where the Americans were at open. Okay. But once they moved, they closed them. So they just kind of had their route. There was actually a lot of tension in this. Apparently, again, before disposable bottles and shit bottles were collected and reused and recycled and washed and all that and apparently not only did they request like americans requested that the uh the companies the bottling companies be opened back up but they requested like military vehicles to pick up the bottles so that they could because bottles i guess were being shorted or whatever Mm -hmm. but like to actually like take them and that actually caused an issue in the um you know, government's kind of class. And they were like, no, we don't have the resources for this. That's no, <laughs> we are not giving you military trucks for I'm your sorry. reused bottles. The Coca-Cola <laughs> really asked, they said, Hey guys, can you open up these factories during war? 
I know they're not, it's not your company, it's an American company, but could you do that for us? And then also, could you spare some military vehicles? Thanks. We appreciate it. That's fantastic. Yeah. I had no clue that was even a, a thing that happened. Thank you for that. Yeah. And another wild thing was Fanta was created during World War II. Don't you want to? It was invented by uh, Max Keith. Uh, he was the president of Coca-Cola Germany, their Germany um, outfit during the during the war. Like I said, they they had companies and shit. Yeah. Like they they had businesses overseas at the time, and uh, they were set up. They had a Coca-Cola Germany faction, and Max Heath was president of that. And during the war, he was cut off from Atlanta HQ, and uh, that was when the Nazis made the decree in 1940 to take control of enemy-owned businesses. So Coca-Cola was an enemy-owned business at the time. In an effort to keep the business running, Keith made soda with leftover fruit waste, wow. like apple pulp and shit like that. Wow. Um, and he created he created Fanta. Ingenuity. And the invention would save Coca-Cola Germany. They would end up selling, you know, millions of bottles of it. Wow. That's And Uber. it would also eventually have catchy commercial jingles. Yes, that's Fanta, important. Fanta, do you want a Fanta, Fanta? Yeah, that's yeah. the important part of this. I With didn't the, know it came from Germany, yeah. though. The fruit flavors. It would have been like, Germany would not have been the, my fruit. Yeah. yeah. Wow, okay. Thanks. No. I mean, and fruit sodas were pop. Fruit sodas were a thing. We talked about the last episode, obviously. But yeah, I mean, he was pretty much just in a position where he was like, oh, okay, I've got to make a fruit soda. Sounds good to keep the place going. Yeah, clearly. By the end of the war, Coca-Cola made itself an American symbol, not just at home, but across the globe. Clearly. The imagery that people had of Americans were that they liked Coca-Cola and that they really wanted it. That's what was left during that, which helped, you know, push them further globally. <laughs> what an interesting um, takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they did have some hiccups in getting their drink to some countries, but overall, overseas consumption started to skyrocket. And then Pepsi had to play catch up, baby. Again. They were behind. Pepsi's just always behind. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So they did some team ups with companies around the globe. It traded distribution with Schweppes in hey Britain. I think that sounds familiar. Yeah. So Schweppes Cadbury is the third largest soda brand in the world, by the way. If you're wondering what the big three are, it's Schweppes, Cadbury, Pepsi, and Coca-Cola. Coca like I said, they traded distribution um, with Schweppes in Britain. So essentially they were like, hey, we'll distribute your shit if you distribute ours. Good deal. And Schweppes was like, you got it. They were like, you got it, buddy. Um, you got it, buddy. Uh, in France, it teamed up with uh, Puree, the soda water. As I say, Puree. hang on, no way. And in the Netherlands, it teamed up with Heineken! Hey. Bring out the Heinies! Let's go! Little mini keg. Love me some good Heineken. Between 1945 and 1950, they made their way into 37 new countries. Holy cow. And now the Cola Wars. That's, yeah. We're global. I was going to say, that's expect. Okay. Here we go. Coke and Pepsi would fight over smaller or less developed countries, like, uh, you know, like the Jets and the Sharks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, from West Side Story? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah, that's a great... That's not an exaggeration. They quite literally Dancing around would, the globe. Like, do the snaps, you know what I mean? And with that, they brought jobs and new business ventures. Don't get it confused with altruism. It was politics and profits, baby. It was politics that's all it was. It's a whole game. Politics and profits, baby. One of the most political deals was getting into Soviet Russia. Ooh, yeah. Pepsi would end up getting a 10-year monopoly in Soviet Russia. A monopoly? With the help of good friend of America, Nixon. <laughs> good friend good friend of America. Richard Nixon? Yeah, that guy. Richard God Dick Nixon. Wow. Yeah. 
helped Pepsi get a 10-year monopoly in Soviet Russia. When Nixon's political career was at a low, um, not that time, the time before that time. <laughs> um, yeah, not the actual low, like the one that, you know, the one before. before. Um, Pepsi actually hired him for their legal team. Wait, they hired Richard Nixon for their for their legal they team? They hired Richard fucking goddamn Nixon. Okay, well, uh, it, I can never have yeah, Pepsi again. He was sort of in a... It it was sort of in a flex position where he could travel and set his own schedule. And during that time, Nixon... Sorry. I'm telling you. Nixon rebuilt his political career and would end up becoming president, as we all know. And upon doing so, he would take out the Coca-Cola machines and install Pepsi (laughs) ones at the White House. I'm not kidding. The Cola Wars are literally this political. This is a real thing. That happened. Why are you, all these foods get political? I, I don't know. With Coca-Cola out of Soviet Russia and the White House, they look onward to China and Jimmy Carter. Natural progression. That's right. The Jimmy Carter. After Carter won governor of Georgia, Coke provided him with their jet fleet, like they did with every governor. Uh, okay. He won't. Yeah. Pause. A jet fleet uh, from he won't. Coca-Cola. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, with every. Do they every, still do that? Probably have to. I'm sure they do. It's probably just on the low low though now. Yeah. So he got the jet fleet. That's <laughs> unreal. The Coca Cola jet fleet. From Coke. Yeah, and that in turn helped Carter develop his foreign affair policies. Of course. Hey. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Coke literally helped him with his foreign affair policies. Uh, Air Force One. What? He even credited Coca Cola. Oh my god. With helping wow. him. Okay. Coca Cola also helped advertise Carter as a laid back peanut farmer. Everything's a lie. It's all advertisement, baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Oh, I, that, I, yeah, I'm over that. What? Yeah. It's all um, Eventually, the head of Coke would end up as a board member of the National Council uh, of the U.S.-China trade. Wow, that's crazy how that worked out. Yeah, during Carter's uh, presidency. My God. There's a lot so of... It's just like... I know. Did that just a leave a bad taste in your uh-huh. mouth? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck, man. That's crazy. Um, And in 1978, a deal would come through allowing Coca-Cola exclusive rights to sell a non-Chinese soda in China. These two deals, the the one in Soviet Russia and the one in China, would change the perception that these American companies uh, weren't actually coming in to spread American ideologies, but that the countries would actually own the businesses set up by the soda giants because the deals inherently had to be that way. In order for them to get in, they essentially had to be like, no, like, it's your shit. It's just our product. Eh? What? Will you take us now? Will you take us now? Will you take us now? However, they used that same tactic to sort of, but totally, for sure, definitely get away with really poor work conditions in developing countries and things like that. So if anything bad happened, they would just say, ha, not my company. It's their company. It's just our product. Oh, fuck, dude. There it is. We're. Yeah bad people there it is you know what i mean yep. shit like that like i said this ain't altruism this is politics and profits that's all it is after world war ii the two soda companies dominated the global soda market and they pushed out pretty much every smaller company in its wake to do so they would go into countries they would push out those countries very few countries actually fended them off japan coca-cola ended up becoming mm-hmm. the number one soda there very quickly happened in europe happened in china you know the one place it didn't happen in india um did not happen in india Hey-o. doesn't happen in india they have their own uh, yep 
They have their own sodas. Thumbs up. There. Limka. Yep. Thumbs up. Boo! Thumbs up. Yeah. Seriously. They didn't. So does like I don't think I don't know if they sell Coca Cola there now. But they do, I didn't but see yeah, in my research. yeah, yeah, they do they now. They do now, yeah. but yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember, yeah, the in my research I saw that it just like straight up did not work, and thumbs up was still the shit. So mm-hmm. thanks, cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Surely their advertisement deal with cricket is the reason why. I would imagine, still, yeah, like, it's probably something to do with sports. Or like Bollywood. Yeah, That's the thing, yeah. So, here in the States, the Cola Wars waged on through different marketing campaigns and product innovation. Uh, I don't know what that voice is. It just it was, seems like That's how you say that innovation, yep. Hyman Kirsch uh, created the first diet soda in 1951. Boo, wow, okay. Right? For his patients at his sanitarium. Um, and it wouldn't take long for companies to follow suit. In 1954, Canada Dry launched its sugar-free soda Glamour. Oh, hey. what a name. Hey, bring that back. Bring that back. That's a good name. That's a, great That's a good soda name. Glamour. What is I this? Would, I'm, a Coca-Cola, I'm a Coca-Cola man, but if I walked in and saw Glamour on the soda shelves, You'd I'd be, be like, interested. okay. Shit, let's get it. If it was like, imagine, like in a white and like pastel, like white and pastel pink can. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Oh, buddy, all day. You Give have my intrigue, me. yeah, okay. Bring it back. <laughs> RC Cola launched uh, Diet Right, still made today, yeah. um, in 1958. And in 1960, and by 1961, it was really, really fucking popular due to it being a relatively well-known cola with a diet version. RC Cola was doing okay, and then they they were kind of the first one to create like a real cola alternative, not like a ginger ale mm-hmm. alternative, which is fine, but like a cola alternative. Uh, and Coke wouldn't introduce their diet soda tab, tab until April 1963. Late to the game. And then Diet Pepsi would launch later that year. Um, tab is no longer made. Rest in peace. Got discontinued very recently. So this, Okay, yes. I thought that sounded familiar. Yeah, Coca-Cola's original diet soda, RIP. RIP to you. I, I don't... I think I've had one of you in my life, and I didn't like it. So makes sense. Whoever drinks it, have fun. Sorry that that happened to you, but they got a good shelf life, so you'll still be able to buy them. <laughs> they'll just cost you. Those cost you more money. The initial sweep of diet sodas wouldn't wouldn't live too long, though. With big sugar, that's right, big sugar big coming sugar. in. BS. Yep. You know they were shaking in their boots, and they looked to take down the two most popular uh, sugar alternatives: Cyclamate and. Saccharin. Those are the two mm-hmm. being used at the time. And yeah, they did just that with a very black and white clause that banned any substance that induced cancer known um, as the Delaney Clause. So there was a uh, FDA clause known as the Delaney Clause, and pretty much it is super black and white. It straight up is says if any, it, it doesn't matter amounts, if it causes cancer, get out of here. So pretty good rule again, of thumb, yeah. As I mentioned previously in this very episode some of that earlier stuff about just like giving rats things mm-hmm. <laughs> that's essentially what they did here they just would give rats like a lot of this one thing and be like oh you see you that's see so disingenuous, yeah. that causes cancer but like to actually matter of fact i wrote it down on my notes i'll tell you like i said on the surface this sounds fine right it's like okay yeah cool if it causes cancer get it out of here what the fuck we're not eating that shit however for a human to consume as much cyclamate that they gave to the rats during the study one would have to drink 500 frescas a day a day that's fi- a there's day. not even feet yeah what no one's doing 500 that. frescas a 
day. So why get rid of something that has that little actual impact? Diet sodas would essentially make their way back uh, with aspartame. In 1981, and the Delaney Clause would be redacted in 96 for a more nuanced clause, relying on level of toxicity. A year after aspartame came to the market, Diet Coke was released, and it was the first diet soda to use aspartame, the Diet Coke, DC, shout out to the OG, shout out to the best of the best, and it quickly became a top-selling soda, not just diet soda, soda. At one point, it was outselling even Pepsi, and Coca-Cola owned the top two spots of sodas being sold. It, in, uh, Pepsi ended up overtaking again, but it was third. It bumped out 7-Up, uh, actually, because at a point, 7-Up was really big. <laughs> That's kind of like, what a yeah. behemoth. You're going to have the top two selling soda products of the same company. Yeah. And yeah, it's pretty like, wild. Yeah, it's pretty wild. The 80s had big marketing campaigns. Okay. So Pepsi sold itself as young and hip. Oh and yeah, Coca Cola. Coca Cola was classic Americana, baby. That's it. Yeah, that. that's what they are. The tropes. Yep. You want to be an you want you want to be an American? Drink Coke. You drink okay? Coke. Being a rebel, you're gonna have a you Pepsi. Be, yeah, yeah. You want to be a rebel? You want to eat Tide Pods? Drink Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Uh, Coca-Cola used Bill Cosby as a spokesperson. That aged poorly. Mm, that aged pretty poorly, yeah. Don't drink the Coca-Colas that Bill Cosby has, okay? Guys, whatever you do, do not take the Coca-Cola from Bill Cosby. It's going to taste a little different. It's going to taste a little different. It's going to hit a little different, too. Ah. <laughs> it's going to hit you a little different. Cocaine something different in that one. <laughs> This is not yeah. This is not cocaine, my friend. So Pepsi ended up getting Michael Jackson during the same time. Oh yeah, we know how that worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got him on board to film two ads with a tie-in for his reunion tour. Go Michael! That's solid marketing um, right there. Yeah. The filming of these ads would lead to Michael Jackson getting his hair set on fire. Maybe you heard of it due to some pre-fired magnesium flashes. He was in the wrong spot uh, when they fired off, and it burned his fucking hair. And he received some bad burns, and that didn't that didn't really make things with Pepsi and Michael easy. But ultimately, the ads did well. It got you know it memed a little bit, but the ads did really well. Mm, of course, it was Michael Jackson at the time. Yeah. Like, so even with all the behind the scenes like snafus, essentially once it dropped, it was it was a big deal. Another battleground for uh, sodas at the time was fast food. So ooh, yeah, Coca Cola would heavily win here. Like, big, big time. Uh, most fast food places wanted to sell Coke. Coca-Cola didn't even have to try. They were just getting, like, offers. They were just getting calls, yeah. They're like, hey. Can we sell Coke? And Coke was like, yeah, if that's all you sell. <laughs> and they were like, okay. After they got McDonald's, that was a oh, deal, baby. That was it, yeah. Done. You know, put them in a body bag. Something that was interesting is that RC, to get into places, they would they bought Arby's. <laughs> Interesting. That's an okay. I didn't anticipate that move coming. So Pepsi did something similar where they bought Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, and KFC. Hey. Wow. It's starting to make sense why they sell Pepsi products now, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. I will say there's a big moment in this advertising snafu during the 70s and 80s that really catapulted Pepsi. And it was the Pepsi Challenge. You heard of the Pepsi Challenge? The Pepsi Challenge. I don't know if I have. Tell me about the yeah, Pepsi so Challenge. Yeah, so this was like a quote unquote 
viral thing at the time, I guess you could call it viral, despite the fact that that term didn't exist. Uh, <laughs> they did a blind taste test challenge to different radio stations and TV stations, oh. and it was just Coke versus Pepsi. It was just anonymous Coke v. Pepsi. And Pepsi won out, like, almost all Ooh, the time okay. as the preferred soda. So they started making Pepsi Challenge commercials. And, Smart. you know, they really got behind this movement where it was just like, and it worked so well that it's actually one of the reasons for one of Coke's biggest quote unquote blunders oh this blunder is known as new coke maybe you heard of new coke i think i have heard of new coke yes you have if you watch stranger things they did a fun little thing with new New coke um so in 1985 coke released new coke and it was to replace the original recipe again they were scrambling Pepsi apparently tasted better to people, so they worked on a new formula. They wanted something that consistently beat Pepsi out in their taste test that they were doing behind the scenes. And they did. They created something that was like 10 times sweeter than Coca-Cola. New Coke. So they unveiled it, and it didn't go well. Oof, okay. They drop it. It's a really long presser. It doesn't go well. The head of the company at the time doesn't do well at the presser. He's not really oh, handling no. the questions very oh, well. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. It's it's not wonderful. On top of that, Pepsi fired back with ads claiming that they won the Cola Wars because they felt they caused Coke to change their formula to compete. Oh. So essentially they would, yeah, they would run ads and be like, matter of fact, in the book that I read about this specific event, the people at Pepsi essentially like talked to each other and they were like, at first, they were worried about the announcement, mm-hmm. being like, oh, it's got to be something huge. And then after the reveal, they were like, we're thinking about this all wrong. Coca-Cola just admitted defeat. They just said that they had to change their formula. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that's what they started doing. And then the backlash against Coke, like, again, the original recipe's gone now. It was just new Coke on the shelves. So the backlash from that was massive. Sales plunged. Um, it forced Coca-Cola to re-release the original. And once they re-released the original, they actually received tons of letters and calls thankful that they re-released the original <laughs> Coca-Cola product. So, Damn. which is why I said blunder in quotations, because it sort of solved Coke's problem. Coca-Cola was really struggling trying to find their niche in advertising during mm-hmm. this time. I mean, they at one point, they were the king of advertisements, but it really did get to the point where it, the Pepsi Challenge was doing really well. The Michael Jackson Pepsi thing was huge. I mean, the sales uh, between the two that used to be a really large gap between Coke and Pepsi narrowed down to like 4%. Mm-hmm. I mean, the market was just super fucking competitive. Coke really just felt like they had to do something that big. But essentially, they got rid of the original, and it revitalized people's enjoyment of Coca Cola. Wow, yeah. it's one of those classic. It's one of those classic. Like you don't you don't really know what you have until it's gone. Coca Cola was just so synonymous with everyone that they just w- would wouldn't think about it, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit! Like oh, I forget how much I just like Coca Cola, <laughs> and now it doesn't exist anymore. So it was a blunder, but it kind of helped them out and they bounced back really well from it. So much so that there were theories that they planned the entire thing. Oh. What? <laughs> wow. Interesting. It's got me thinking. Oh, crazy. So by 2000, the year 2000, Pepsi, Coke, and Cadbury Schweppes owned 90% of the soda market. 
Yeah, and the cola wars were a big part of that. They consolidated the market by dwindling down lesser competition until they could either be bought or the company sold. Wow. One of the two. So during that entire time, during the you know 60s, 70s, 80s, things just started getting better. Like Hires Root Beer got bought out by um, got bought out by like Knee High, and then Knee High ended up getting bought out by Pepsi. Like, it's just okay. it's, or no, uh, they ended up getting bought out by Cadbury Schweppes. Literally every soda you're thinking of, like Seven Up, got bought by Pepsi. Pretty much everything that every soda that you can think of is is owned by one of the big three. Like I said, 90% of the market uh, by 2000. But yeah, all those ended up getting bought up at some point during this time frame. Even Dr. Pepper, all that stuff. So So, like a lot of foods that we talk about on this show, soda would end up facing backlash. So in the late 40s, Dennis actually spoke out about the sugar in the acidity of sodas. So that started a while back. Uh, (laughs) But in the late 90s, reports about soda being a major cause for child obesity hit the public sphere. Yes. Yeah, so around this time, soda companies were making deals with school districts to have their vending machines in schools. Some of these deals lasted 10-plus years. And by the end of the 90s, 92% of high schools had struck deals with the soda giants, which is fucking insane. That would start to turn to 2002 when the LA Unified School District, uh, one of the largest in the country, I believe they had over like 700,000 students in that district at the time. They banned soda from their schools. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, but they did it. So who gives a shit how I feel? (laughs) As more and more districts started uh, banning the drinks, um, in 06... The big three struck a deal with the Alliance for a Healthier Generation to fa- yeah to phase out non-diet sodas. By 2009, they had dropped the shipment of regular sodas by 95% compared to 06. So they kept up with their side of the bargain. In 2012, New York passed a law banning serving sizes over 16 ounces of non-diet yes, sodas. Yes, okay. Do you fucking remember this? I do remember. I definitely remember this. I don't. I it was such this. an issue. People were so upset. Yeah, I would have also been upset. That's ridiculous. Bloomberg, keep your fucking grummy little rich hands out of my soda size. Listen, Who cares? I may be, I may lean left, but dear God, are you kidding? I'm also like, as someone who's like involved in food and business, it's like, you're just fucking with people's shit at that point. That's not, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. The American Beverage Association with other business people would sue um, New York on the grounds of overreach of power. Good on them. Smart. And luckily, the Supreme Court of New York uh, overruled the ban before it went into effect. It, it uh, About a month before it went into effect, they overruled it. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. Um, and it was, it was supposed to go into effect 2013, and then it got overruled that same year, but before. Another big push soda companies did to fight the health backlash was diversification. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Coca-Cola bought juice companies, energy drink companies, sport drink companies, and water companies. So they're still one of the largest distributors of just beverages in general. Probably the largest beverage company. That's unreal. Um, Okay. And then Pepsi went even further and started buying up snack companies like Quaker Oats. Sold off some of its fast food companies. <laughs> what? Yeah. And Pepsi actually gained a larger market share than Coca-Cola overall. But they did so because Pepsi essentially said, like, we're no longer a beverage company. We're a food company. And so they they diversified that much. Whereas Coca-Cola still pretty much handily is like, no, nah, we're a beverage company. <laughs> like, So the Cola Wars... Interesting. I didn't know Pepsi did yeah, that. So okay. the Cola Wars 
sort of just ended. They just kind of stopped. That's it. Once it, it, it just like there's no real there's no real conclusion to it. It just sort of ended. All of a sudden, it became more about uh, the market had pretty much been consumed, and there was no competition to be had. You know what I mean? There is no there is no rivalry between the three at this point. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just they just That's, exist, yeah. and if you exist, they're gonna buy you at some point. Like it's just the way it is. <laughs> Like great rule of Topo thumb. Chico yeah. is now distributed by Coca-Cola, so they partly own Topo Chico now. No way. Um, that happened like three years ago. They partly own, I'm pretty sure they partly own Monster Energy as well, Coca-Cola. Like, I think, yeah. These companies that start out as just companies by themselves, they inevitably all just get bought. So the Cola Wars just sort of ended out because we don't believe in actual uh, capitalism. <laughs> We, yeah, Monopoly, we love sort it. Of. Sort of, Monopoly, but as long yeah. as there's three, I guess it's okay. <laughs> uh-huh, right? That's more than one, yeah. so technically it's a monopoly, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Duopolies? Cool. Love them. They're the best. As long as there's two. At least if there's two, we're good. <laughs> uh, three makes it better, but two, for sure. Two, at least. That is the end of the soda fucking saga. Wow, that is a, that. is you're right. That was a saga. That was a quite a journey, yeah, Tim. Thank you. There was so you. much. I, I apologize. There was a million things. It's impressive. I didn't realize the history of the soda was so uh, expansive and, and intensive. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Um, okay, I don't. We don't know where you were at at the top. No, I'm gonna bump it up though. I believe you were at like 320 something. Whatever it was, I was at 350. You were at like 320 something. Uh, it's it's. Yeah, I'll bump it up to like it's 350. It's out of 362. So where are you at? 350. Yeah, I'll bump it up to 350. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm impressed with I'm here with soda. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty impressive uh the the path that soda took to get here. And I gotta say, like, props to them for taking advantage of the market whenever prohibition happened. Yeah. And like they just I mean, I don't know. Like they just took it over by storm and then I do think it's interesting because you just brought it up. Like whenever you go out to restaurants and you're like, Oh yeah, I'll take a Coke and it's like, again, like that's a pretty, uh, can be like a pretty just generalized, vague term of a carbonated beverage. They're like, oh, I, I want a Coke. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like we have Pepsi products, but you don't ever go anywhere. Yeah. And it's like, someone's like, oh, can I get a Pep? Like it's not, it's, can I get a Coke? Yeah. Oh yeah. We have, pe- I'm so sorry. Yeah. But Ooh. You're never apologizing for having Coke Ooh, products. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That thing you want that I know you want. Ugh, sorry. Doesn't, doesn't sorry we're just not gonna here. have it it won't ever have it yeah we just have pepsi and it's always i don't know how you feel about it but whenever they tell me like yeah we only have pepsi products i'm like oh, god damn it do you at least have the mountain dew one <laughs> like it because they don't all have the mountain dew <laughs> they don't all have that they'll yep. have like pepsi i don't know why diet pepsi and sierra mist which is pepsi's lame excuse you know for what? sprite get the f- Fuck yep. out of here. I don't want that shit. Fucking Sierra missed my ass. Fucking get out of here. The fuck is that? Fuck Sierra. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hey, buddy. Sierra missed. Get the thing. Sierra missed will not be Sprite and it'll never be Sprite, okay? <laughs> and it never will. No, no how, how, no way. No, way. no, way, no Garbage. how. Garbage. Too much lemon. <laughs> not enough sugar. <laughs> More sugar in your fucking soda sierra mist you fucking plebs either way let's end the episode fucking a um that's the end of the podcast uh this was where does food uh the f- i already did that you already know what this is the food history podcast uh that was where does soda part two and 
uh, you can hear this music going on. That's Austin Martin. That's what's hitting your ears right now. Sounds so uh, good. He did our intro. He does our stingers. Um, you go check him out at Meridian Sky. He's on Apple. Uh, he's also on Spotify. Go check him out. Give him a listen. Send him a message. But don't say, I sent you, because then he'll be mad at me. Just send him anonymous messages that don't involve me or L or this podcast. Make sure that he just gets anonymous messages. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Where Does Food. I'm at Tim We Hunt. L is. I'm at L Chapo. Three underscores in between L and Chapo. Um, you can find all that in the description. Also, you can find all my show notes in the description as well. Uh, I read a book for this whole thing. Guys, go read the book. It's fantastic. It goes way into more detail about some of the things that I touched on. But obviously, for listening purposes, I had to make this palatable. Uh, you can check us out, man. You can find us on um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. We're on pretty much most podcast catchers. So you can check us out there. You can also leave us a review. We love reviews. Uh, it makes us feel warm inside. And it does help the podcast. So you can do that. We also have a donation button if you want to buy us a coffee. We love coffee here. We're big coffee drinkers. So definitely you, know, coffee. you can yeah. buy us a coffee. And we probably won't actually use it for coffee. We'll probably use it for the podcast. But hey, it makes you feel better if it says coffee. It's like a relatable thing because you don't make a podcast. What do you fucking know? Also, I think that's it. I think that's I think that's all this stuff. Nailed it. I think that's it, Tim. You yeah. crushed the fucking yeah, nailed you did. it. Ten out of ten. I'm professional. It's Always. not getting late. Uh, goodbye, you are. and I love you all.